Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Coach Josh. Want to officially welcome you guys out to another uh, not daily play and not barely mentioned, but another what should I do Wednesday, where you guys can ask me whatever questions you have, and from my uh, from the best of my ability and from my God given wisdom, I'll be able to um, answer the questions that that uh, that I can confidently answer. So, hey, what's up, everybody? Everyone's coming in already. Simba, what's up, fam? What's up, favorite one? What's up, her sons and arrow? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hope you guys and gals are doing exceptionally well. What's going on, Stella? I love What Should I Do Wednesdays, man. Good morning, Mercedes. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Hope you all are doing exceptionally well. Hope the um, your week has been going great. Um, just in time, you come on in the room. Come on in the room. Come on in the room. Glad y'all are here. What's going on? Who's got the first question? Uh-oh. Can you do a teaching on the attributes of God? Great question. I sure will. It's been on my heart for a long time. I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do with it. I don't know if I'm going to do like a series. Um, it can't. It, I can't do it in one video. Definitely can't do it in one video. Um, uh, but I will. Uh, I'm thinking about what platform, how I'm going to do it, um, because it's so many good attributes of God. And I can't wait um, to get to it. I just got to find out. Uh, what space, what avenue, and ensure that I remain consistent on it because <clears throat> I want to do how God's attributes apply to our everyday life, you know, and how we can really acknowledge him and get to know him more. All right, questions are in. Let's get going. <laughs> How's the Holy Ghost swimsuit coming along? Listen, we're still in developmental phases, you know, we're still, we're still, we, <laughs> we're still, we're still in the developmental phases. We, oh, we're working on it. Um, but I think, I think fathers, uncles, brothers, all over the country, all over the world, will really appreciate um, um, the, the the modesty apparel in the swimsuit. Uh, for those who's like, what is he talking about? Um, my my niece was called in during the broadcast the other day, and we talked about uh, she heard her uh, cousin and brother and sister was going swimming. And I said, do they have the Holy Ghost swimsuit on? And you know, they didn't. But we're going to work on that. Now, all right, let's get to the questions. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, hey coach, what can I do about my oldest son being resentful? You have to reach back. Um, and, 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 um, this is what I would do. This is what I would do. I would have, I will go to God, reach out to God and say, God reveal to me. What may I have done to contribute this level of resentment or Holy spirit? If I didn't contribute, show me the conceptions to this so that I can be able to, through your leading, through your, through your, um, guidance, be able to, to, to pull my son out of the resentful place. Now, chances are the reasons why young men are resentful is multifaceted. Number one was his pops there. Number two, did his pops put any words in his ear that may, in his ear that may contribute to his viewpoint of view? Um, number three could be a lack of communication at home. A lot of parents, they speak to their children and they don't answer their children's questions and that builds resentment. Um, kids are in an age where we didn't grow up in. You see what I'm saying? They are grown, they have grown up or they are in an age where, uh, um, Everything you say, <clears throat> every question they have has to be an answer where they where they where they, where they can grasp and have understanding. And so maybe the resentment is coming from a, a place where he felt like or feels like that he's not uh answered or or whatever, whatever. I'm not saying that you're contributing to this, but uh let's start with some practical things. Number one, you gotta reach out to God and say, God, show me, reveal to me, because you are the mother. You see what I'm saying? You are um um is this a resentful son, is resentful son. Um, you are, you control the atmosphere of that house. Let's make that plain. I don't care what, what kind of resentment your son has. You have the authority over the demonic spirit that's trying to get your son into that resentful phase. So you go to God humbly and you go to God with humility and say, God, listen, have I contributed to this? Have I done anything that may have brought this out of my son? If I have, I repent, Father, give me the wisdom that I need <clears throat> to be able to reach out to my son going forward and aid in the releasing of their resentment in his heart. And Father God, I'm asking you for divine wisdom on how to navigate that. But second fold, you execute your authority in the name of Jesus. I command every demonic spirit that is coming after my son, I command you to loose him now in the name of Jesus. This house is holy. Is this my son? His vessel is holy. And I command you through the authority of God to loose him now in Jesus' name. And you go into that prayer closet over and over and over and over and over again 
targeting your prayers after that demonic spirit that is after your oldest son, then the wisdom of God will begin to show you what to remove out of his room. Because I don't care what he says, who he is, he's in your house. So therefore, you begin to remove the demonic uh, um, um, uh, uh, um, things that's around him that may be contributing to that resentment because demonic spirits are territorial, meaning that they're going to utilize the music that he's listening to, the, the YouTube channels he's watched, the videos that he's watching utilize the friends that are around him to create these counterfeit illusions, these, these illusions that contributes to him being resentful. Now, that's what you have to do to ensure, oh, my son doesn't believe, but he knows my household worships God. I don't know why he's like this. Now, how old is your oldest son? Is he 18? Is he in your house? We're, 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 give me some clues. Give me some context. Is he in your house? How old is he? Let's see. Let's find out because I want to make sure I give you the right wisdom. <clears throat> He'll be 19 in December. You know what? You know what's good? You can always do this. Hey, man, if you don't believe in what's in this house, I give you six months to get your own. You know, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you don't want to serve the Lord in my house, I give you six months to find your own and leave him to God. It's going to be difficult for a mom to do that. But if he's 19 and he's acting this way and he's and he's smelling himself and he feels like he's puffed up in knowledge and he don't believe the God that you serve, you know, God is real. And he's 19 and he's using up your light bill, using up your food and water. Tell him you got six months to find your own place. And as far as me and my house, going to worship God and I'm going to rest knowing that God's got you because I'm not going to stress up and be up all night and you causing some counterfeit uh, a counterproductive conflicting uh, um, forces within the, within the atmosphere of my own house. 19, you got to go. You got six months. I love you, but you got six months to find your own house. And I'm not going to worry about what you believe because I know that my God uh, is, is able to bring any prodigal son back home. That's what I would do. That's that tough love. Listen, that's that tough love. You don't want to believe what I want to believe and you acting you how you acting, then you got six months to get out of my house. I don't care how much I love a person. Sometimes feeding that, feeding that mindset, contributing to that mindset, loving on that mindset can cause more dangerous effects than letting that person realize where your God is now. The God that you want to serve, the belief system that you want to have, let's see how that supports you. And you continue to love him, you continue to be kind to him, and you continue to be godly and God-fearing around him. And over time, you'll see the changes in his life. <clears throat> Hope that helps. Great question. How do you deal with self-condemnation? How do you forgive yourself? Great question. Number one, you have to ensure that you're not um, that you don't have a perfectionist mindset, because a perfectionist mindset adds unnecessary pressure. And what you have to also understand is that God loves you. And it doesn't mean that God is pleased with what you have done, but you have to understand the power of, of repentance and the power of forgiveness. And when you have embraced God's forgiveness towards you, then you will have the proper sight, the proper uh, uh, um, um, visual ability to see the work of God in your life, shaping you into a better person. See, we all get into that. And I've been in it myself where I was so uh, of such a perfectionist, such a, I have to be ultimately pure that I realized that I can't do this in my own effort, that I'm a flawed man, that I'm going to make mistakes, that I'm going to, but the good thing is that the God's grace and God's goodness is drawing me to a place of maturity that I can take no credit for. And so how do you deal with self-condemnation is write down why do you feel condemned? Why do you feel condemned and write down the things that are contributing to that condemnation? And when did that condemnation conceive? Now, when you find when that condemnation was conceived, then you got to go to God and saying, God, this is how I feel in my heart. This is how I feel about myself. I need your peace. I need your love and watch supernaturally. God deals with it. But now we have to get into the real deep rooted issues and say, OK, these are the reasons why I feel condemned. There's one or two things you can. There's one thing that you can. These are some things you can do. Number one, if I if I'm practicing the same things that's contributing me to fall into the same con condemnating uh, pit. Then let me change my choices. Let me induce, let me um, produce new habits from the help of the Holy Ghost that will cause me not to fall into the same cycle of sin, uh, sin and condemnation and, and depression. 
when you get into that place where you are intentionally focused on changing the habits, then you will begin to see fruit in your life of from the from your fellowship with God and a foundation being set of God's love for you so that you'll no longer fall into that place of condemnation. Now, you have to really get to a place where you look at yourself in the mirror as God's daughter and as God's son that you have been adopted, that you are his beloved, that you are the righteousness of God through Christ, right? All those things are great and true. It is the embracing of that. It is in the, the fellowship with that. It is the right proper mindset of that that spawns the mental renewal that ensures that your actions then begin to line up to your position, right? That your practices will begin to line up with your position. So write those thoughts down. And then write down how you should think about yourself. Write those scriptures down on a note card. Write those scriptures down on your phone. And anytime you feel self-condemnation, um, self you go to that word and you marinate it on that. It's going to take some time, depending on how deep the condemnation is. But you got to say, you know what? I'm going to renew my mind. And renewing the mind is not easy. It takes cooperation. It takes the releasing of control and letting the Holy Spirit show you and reveal to you. But you have to take effort in, in changing your mind because your mind has been comfortable with thinking this way. Now you have to say, no mind, we are going to change the way we think. And you do that by the word of God. You do that by getting scriptures and you dwell on it. You dwell on it. You dwell on it. You Think about it. You live it. You breathe it until your mind comes to grips with the new agenda, the new order of your mind. And then over time, you will begin to see your heart catch up with your mind renewal and you'll no longer have that condemnation in your heart like that. And then when you do fall in sin, you know you have an advocate. You know if you make a mistake, you know you have a high priest understands that when you make a mistake, you know that it will take you about 30. It takes me about 30 seconds to a minute to get over something I messed up. Don't take long because I know who I am in Christ. That's important. When I when I understand what salvation costs and what it what it contributes to my life, if I make a mistake, it takes me about a good 30 seconds to maybe three and a half minutes. And I'm off writing a book. I'm off doing what I got to do. I'm off and I'm moving because I don't have time. Condemnation wastes time from productivity. All right. Hope to help. Miss Murphy said, I met this guy on Tinder and we have been pursuing God together in each other. Could this relationship work even though we are online dating site? So far, no red flags. So far, no red flags. Um, my honest opinion is I wouldn't I wouldn't go deep into that relationship quite yet. Um, like I said in the last video, I don't personally agree with online dating. I do believe that that, that uh, when it comes to uh, uh, marriage and relationships, I think that's best in God's hands. Um, but what I would do is to really just um, um, incorporate some group, um, some individuals to dilute the, the, the potency of infatuation. I wouldn't spend too much time alone in this stage. I would get my book Dating Prep. Dating Prep is a good book for you guys to ask yourself certain questions. My book Dating Prep and the card game Dating Prep has certain questions that you should ask at certain levels of relationship. Meaning, I wish I had my, um, uh, let me see, I got the book here. Give me one second. I'll be right back. Uh oh, all right, here we go. Here's my book, Dating Prep, right? So I have different questions that you need to ask uh, him and you ask yourself. And there's three phases, there's a cloud phase, there's a cement phase, and there's a corporation phase. The card game, I got to get my other book, my other, I got to buy some. But the book basically has all the questions within my card game. So what you have to do is you go and say, okay, we're in a cloud phase of the relationship. So let me go, let me read some parts about the cloud phase. The cloud phase is the beginning stages of the relationship, and I have red flags in the game as well. Each stage is important, and certain questions should be asked at each stage to help you better discern your potential prospect or to understand your husband or wife better. There are also four flags to be mindful of, and they are red flags, which is woe, yellow flags, which is slow, green flags, which means go, and white flag means no. So what the whole purpose of this book and this card game is to get you really asking the right questions about your relationship. So it doesn't matter what part of the relationship you're in. You could be in the cloud phase was when you guys first meet. You could be in a cement phase where you guys have hit the ground. Y'all like, whoa, this relationship is real, real. 
So now we got to really think about what we're doing and where we're going. And the corporation phase is for those who's engaged and married. And it has questions that helps keep building a co uh, corporation. But let me see if I can find me a cloud question real quick. <clears throat> um, well, it's a lot of questions in here. Um, do you struggle with any addictions? If so, what and how are you fixing it? One of the top silent killers of relationships are addictions. An addiction is an excessive connection or dependence on a person, product, place, or perspective. These four areas are where many people struggle with addictions. Let us start with people. So the book goes into greater detail on why you should ask that question. So go to um, Amazon right now, type in Joshua and you'll see the card game dating prep. And I believe that card game will help you kind of process where you guys should go in that relationship. <clears throat> because the right questions will reveal what's deep in a person's heart. So I hope that helped. What I, what I would tell you is take your time, add some friends to the group. Don't be too exclusive right away. You see what I'm saying? And, 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 and go to God. If you started this thing without God, then it's best to go to God now. So many times we start things without God and then we want to ask God about it. No, what you need to do is kind of slow things down and say, God, I made, I made a mistake in doing this without acknowledging you. I made a mistake. What you're saying if you did this, I'm not saying if you did or not. God, I've done this without even consulting you. So right now I'm going to slow myself down to ensure that I have, that I receive clarity from you on what I should do with this individual. That's what I would do. <clears throat> Divine 15 says, when it comes to it, what's going on? When it comes to a relationship, should a man always pay the bills or should both individuals split? Rent going out to grow six hours. What do we do is each household is different. Each household is different. I do believe that the man should take care of the bulk. And I think, I think, I think if not all, 98% of the bills is what I would say. 95 to 98% of the bills. And why I say that? Because that helps the man feel like a provider. God created us to be providers, to be hunters. And there's something about being able to provide for a family. That 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 pushes a man uh, into <clears throat> into uh, 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 a strength of a man. I just think that's cool. I love providing for my wife. I love providing for the extended family. I love it. it it's, it's part of my male DNA. It makes me feel um, um, great. But the thing is, the man has to make sure that his that his heart is not in his provision, but his heart is in the fact in, that God is his provider. That 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 he will supernaturally provide. Now, the reason why I say that, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all. The reason why I say that before uh, the dating relationships or in dating relationships is because. A man has to, because what happens if you get pregnant? What happens if something happens to you, you know, and a baby's coming? The man has to be able to provide so the ship can continue to sail. Let me just break down your question specifically. When it comes to relationships, should a man always pay the bills? I believe 95, 98% of the bills should be paid based upon his ability. That's when the split becomes. If the man is a hard worker, and, and and his job is only giving him a set amount of dollars, then I think that's where the conversation has to happen between both uh, the husband and the wife saying, okay, well, I can take care of this and this, but in grand scope, it's still 90% and higher of the bills. And so um, even in my and even in my marriage, I take care about 95% of the bills based upon what I'm able to do. The others, like it's cool with it's cool with having residual income. And that's why I think every man should listen and say, God, how else can I create a provisional stream for my future family? And that's why God allowed me to write books. That's why God allowed me to create card games, why God allowed me to develop almost 10 to 11 revenue streams that can, can that can contribute to the provision of our family. The money that we make outside with the residual pots, we reinvest. So, so it's all about conversation. I do think that a man providing for the bulk of the bills really helps him, uh, um, um, just have just to build that confidence um, that men have. Not ego. We're talking about confidence that he's able to provide for his family, and that he's able to take care of them. You know, and I just think that it's based upon conversation beyond that. Now, if it's 50-50, then I'll just, if, if it's 50-50 and y'all married because something had happened, that's different. But if it's, but if y'all having conversations about finances and y'all dating and him and he at that point cannot really take care of a lot of the things that are important, we're talking about a man should take care of everything when it comes to living space. See what I'm saying? We're talking about uh, rent, mortgage. We're talking about rent, mortgage lights, water, whatever, meaning that if anything happens to the wife, 
If anything happens to the wife as far as pregnancy or whatever, the lights are still on, the water is still war uh, running, the gas is still on, the, uh, the, the place is still provided for, right? See what I'm saying? Because if anything happens, things could change. That means, it, you, what I mean by that is, you can always say, you know what, we're going to get a cheaper car payment. We're gonna take we're gonna take the bins back, and we're gonna get us we're gonna get us a, a, a Honda Accord. You see what I'm saying? We're gonna we're gonna minimize these external things so that we can be able to tread for this season. You see what I'm saying? But if y'all married and something happened with his job and he's trying to get back on his feet and things happen, 50 is cool. But I think when it comes to taking care of a family, a man has to take care of the bulk of the weight. This doesn't this ain't sexist. This ain't this ain't anti whatever. This is just talking about. Uh, what what I feel men should be able to do, but I think it all depends. If the woman is the breadwinner, I think I think there has to be. I think the biblical perspective is the woman's bringing the most of the money. Um, I think if you have a godly, financial, stable man, y'all both work on um, um, where the finances go. We're talking about strictly a man um, um, providing and the core of uh, the 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 nature that brings in a man. And if the woman's making more money, that's the conversation you and your husband have to make talk about. But I think um, the woman has to really understand how can I make sure my man still feels like a man. Like my wife makes more money than I do in her profession. We're talking about profession and profession. And ain't nothing wrong with my, with, with my mind. Like I support her. I praise her. Go get that bag. You see what I'm saying? But she allows me to still be a man and kind of contribute in stewardship techniques. Um, not that she's incompetent. She's very competent, but it's just a beautiful thing. Um, that she allows me to still feel like I'm a man and makes me still feel like I'm the head of the household, even though she makes more money than me. So I'm not I'm not speaking as anti would make more money than men. It's in my own household. You know what I'm saying? Her profession, we're talking about professional profession. I, I celebrate that. Get that bag. And I tell her, enjoy her life. But the good thing about a good wife, a godly wife, is that she's not sitting there buying Gucci bags and Louis bags. You see what I'm we have, we have a mission for our marriage and we have a mission for your marriage. Your money will follow that mission, et cetera, et cetera. I know I kind of rambled on that, but I hope that helped you in some kind of way. But as far as going out to eat, maybe you contribute that. Maybe you say, Hey, no, no, maybe y'all could. It's all about conversation and communication. It's all about, you know, when it comes to eating out, like, like, uh, uh, eating out and stuff like that. Like my wife takes care of the groceries, you know what I'm saying? That she wants to take care of the groceries, and that's cool because she has the budget for it. She takes care of the groceries, I take care of the bills, I take care of the living expenses, and she takes care of the supplying expenses. That's a good way of putting it, living expenses and supplying expenses. Supplying expenses are things around the house, groceries, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. So it's all about where you at and what phase in your life. You see what I'm saying? What are the goals of the marriage? What's the goal of the relationship? And then y'all have that conversation through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and use wisdom. But if you're dating a man that is unable to provide for the living space, give him some time to grow into that man. Let him let him grind a little bit more. No knock to him. Let him grind a little bit more. Let him because it's going to be very important for who he is as a man that he feels like that if anything happens, the ship can still sail because the living expenses are taken care of, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Hope that helped. How to know when it's time to move out of your out on your own? <clears throat> I live with my mom and I could never really find peace and time to myself, but she tells me I'm not ready to move out on my own. It all boils down to you. Moving out on your own means uh, uh, not living, not living. You have to say, okay, what kind of living, what kind of life do I want to have? What kind of living do I want to have? Let's put it that way. Meaning what I mean by that is, okay, what can I afford? What can I do to ensure that I live well? We're not talking about live lavish. We're talking about living well. Living lavish means living beyond your means, showing off what you have. We're talking about living well. The only way you should move out is when you're able to say, I ain't going to be up under nobody's bridge. I ain't going to be at no shelter. You got to be able to look at your coins, look at your money, look at where you are maturity wise and say, okay, what can I afford with my income? Income outcome. You see what I'm saying? Outgo. Income outgo, right? So you got to say, okay, what is coming in? And what is going out? If I do not make enough, 
money, if I don't have enough income coming in for what's going to be taken out for me to live, then let me kind of just be with my mom. And what you have to understand is, is that it's not as bad as you think it is if, 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 if it's not an abusive situation. Then you got to say, okay, well, maybe I should get a roommate. God supply my needs according to your riches and glory. God has the riches, but is he going to get glorified with the contribute with the, his contributions to how you want to live? The God knows if, if you're going to live well on your own. Only God knows if you're going to let men or women in and out of your home. God knows whether or not you're going to contain, maintain a level of maturity and purity on your own. So God's going to be like, I have the riches, but will I be glorified in contributing to you living on your own? So what you have to understand is that you have to say, okay, how, how can I make my living conditions currently the best that I can? And what I can do is let me serve. Let me make sure that I'm not being a burden. Let me see. Let me in the process prepare for the moving out. Because once you out, you want to stay out. People come out and they come in, in and out. Your mom's going to be like, close my screen door. Are you in or are you out? See what I'm saying? So you want to make sure that when you step out, you're able to be out and stay out because you have enough income coming in to live well. Now you thought you get what you pay for. So people be moving out, but you in the hood, people moving out and you out in some spaces. If you a lady, and I, yeah, you are a woman, you, you moved out, but you ain't, you ain't living well. You're not surrounded by wellness. You know what I'm saying? So you have to say, okay, I, you can move out, but where? So now that's what it comes to have to come in. What is coming in? Rent, you know, rent, a uh, light, gas, gas for the car, car payment. Do I have enough to live well with some left over? You don't want no to the brim. You want some running over money. It's like well, in, our, in our household, we have running over. You see what I'm saying? Press down. So we press down, we shake, we shook it, we pressed it down. Okay. We sh it's shaking, and then we have enough running over. That running over helps us reinvest. It helps us make more residual income so that we're not living paycheck to paycheck. I'm not sitting there stressing by the end of the month. You see what I'm saying? I pay I pay our stuff week in advance like because we have overflow. You see what I'm saying? So you have to think through those things because it's better to suffer. Now, when I say suffer, it's better to, to go through some um, light conflict with mom dukes then to be out on your own, calling your mom every week, you know, what you cooking, what y'all doing. Nah, man, you got to be, you got to take calculated risks. You just can't be out here just committing risk. You got to take calculated risk. Hope they helped you. My son doesn't believe what he knows my house of worship. God, I don't know why he's like that. Okay, that's right. It's okay to play the lottery. I wouldn't play the lottery. Just play godly. Just play God. Don't just do God. Trust God. I just think, man... <clears throat> Let me let me make this play. I'm not talking about nobody here. Just hear me. I think lottery is for the poor minded. Making it happen is for the wealthy minded. I don't have to. I know my wealth is going to come. You see what I'm saying? What limit that God has me? Who knows? But I don't want to play the lottery, waste money playing a lottery. Right. And then get a bunch of money. They said, I forgot the numbers, but it's a high percentage of people who win the lottery and they're broke in a matter of months. See, see, just money doesn't change mindset. Money reveals mindset. See what I'm saying? And you have to have the right mindset to make the money. And so if you have the wrong mindset, you'll go trying to get the quick dollar. I want the long dollar. I want the slow dollar. Slow dollars last long. Slow dollars stay with you longer. Quick money, quick go. Quick money is quickly spent. Money that you work for lasts a little bit long, longer around you. So what I would say about the lottery... Don't waste your time. Trust God with your wealth, and do it. Do do. Make sure you have a wealth mind, wealth, wealth, um, wealth ethics. You see what I'm saying? A wealth ethics are you have a wealthy mind, you have a, a, a wealthy perspective, and you have a wealthy work ethic. You see what I'm saying? The reason why people make money, we're not talking about wealth as far as billions and stuff, whatever. We we talking about just good wealth life holistically. Our individuals who have a wealthy mindset. A, a godly wealthy mindset is a difference. A godly wealthy mindset is a generous person, is a person that's not flashy, is a person that works for it, makes it happen, and gives God glory. I wouldn't play the lottery. It's a waste of your time. And even if you get the money, it'll be out of your pocket that quickly. I will, I will focus on developing a wealthy mindset than getting wealth in your hands. Wealthy mind ensures your wealth in your hands stays longer. <clears throat> Hope to help.
Yes, and I've been praying to get that demonic spirit out of him. Keep praying. Keep, keep praying over him. Keep You stay focused. You stay with it. But if he's bringing conflict in your home, then tell him he got six months to get his own place. That's what I would tell you. Hey, Coach, hope all is well. Can you literally lose your salvation with God where he walks away? Can that really happen? Let me be honest with you. <clears throat> Nothing can separate you uh, from a God who chose you. So you have to... When you look at when you look at salvation, you have to look at it from God's vantage point, not from man's vantage point. Man's vantage point looks at the everyday back and forth of sin and winning, sinning and winning, sinning and winning. Am I saved? Not saved. When you look at it from God's vantage point, why would an omniscient God pursue a person, draw a person into salvation? You see what I'm saying? If He knew that that person would not would not accept him, would not, would not stay with him. Really? So, right. Right. So what I would tell people is, is that who God genuinely pursues and who has been converted by the spirit of God, sealed by his spirit, that person not going to lose their salvation because that person has been reborn. I can't go back in my mother's womb and then shoot back up to heaven and say, I don't want to be in a, no, no, I cannot be reborn. It's I can't, I cannot be unborn. So I'm saying once I have re been reborn and born anew, old things are passed away and behold, all things are becoming new. So that true, genuinely converted individual can't lose salvation. The scripture talks about how people will begin with you. And then over time, you will find that they're not with you. Those people were never saved from the beginning. Only God knows, God and time, God knows and time will reveal who's really in his will of salvation. So can a genuinely converted believer that was initiated by God himself, the adoption of the father of that child being brought to his family, can they lose their salvation? No. But a person who rose their hand, went to an altar and there was no fruit and no evidence of the Holy Spirit converting them then that person will lose, not their salvation, you can't lose what you never have. And once you have it, God seals it. So you can't lose it. If God, if you got the spirit of God in you and you are truly converted by God, God has sealed you and you can't lose that because it's from his pursuit. Jesus talked about that um, if anyone comes to me, they have to be drawn by the father first. The goodness of God draws man to repentance. Fruit will let you know if they're rooted in God, that's how I answer that question. So to answer your question specifically, can you literally lose your salvation? Not if you're a converted believer, not if you are truly converted. People who walk away, people who abandon was never with God. You ever had friends that started off with you and the moment you started elevating and maturing and getting money and growing and developing, they walked away. They were never your friends in the beginning. They was attracted to you. There's a lot of people attracted to God. Christianity is attractive. Until you get to the real meat of it. And then it's like, I don't even want this no more. That proves that they were never with God in the first place. Just like our friends. There are certain friends that are there for you. They're your genuine friends. They love you and they're there with you through thick and thin. You see what I'm saying? Even a husband or a spouse, they may have loved you. They may have married you, but because of the hardness of their heart, they were never with you because they only got with you for their own needs. And then when they realize you can no longer meet their needs according to their expectations, they out on you. That person was never in love with you because love is proven over time. Love is a commitment, not just a choice. You could choose love, but true love is proven in commitment, not in choice. So what the hell? Good question. All y'all, good questions. Let me go on 30 minutes. Let me get about good 15, 20, and I'm out y'all's way. Can you speak more on night watch praying like at 3 a.m.? <clears throat> yeah. Um, there's watch times throughout the day that um the Holy Spirit, uh, the governor of, of, of this realm, through the hearts and minds of men who've been converted by the Heavenly Father, utilizes individuals who are aware of the spiritual world to kind of enforce the kingdom's agenda, to enforce the kingdom's prop uh positions and to force enforce or to reveal the kingdom's power so usually when god wakes me up around 235 245 sometime at three o'clock on the dot i know what it i know what he needs me to do so what i do i start praying in the spirit or i just sit in silence i begin to pray in the spirit because i begin to say okay holy spirit you leave me i don't know what's up god be wake god you woke me up i bet cool we here we here i'm here Get the stuff out of my eyes. I'm here. Go to my room. My wife sleep. I close the door, come in the room. And I just start praying the spirit, praying the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit revealed to me. 
And then all of a sudden, okay, I pray, let me tell you the difference. I pray in the Holy Ghost. Praying the Holy Ghost is praying in tongues. I pray in tongues and I pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is in word form where the Holy Spirit starts revealing you in English or in your language what you need to be praying for. Now you in the river. Praying the Holy Ghost gets you in the river. In the river is praying in the Spirit. You're praying in English. You're praying in your native tongue. But you've been in a prayer where you rapid fire, like, whoa, these words coming out. That's a Spirit utilizing you in English. But the Holy, the praying in, praying in tongues gets you in position to be in the river to you Utilize your words in English to tell the demonic realm what they need to do and to implement the coverage, implement a, a covering um, for the work of not necessarily the work of God, but com, uh, contributing to the work of God and praying over people, regions, things like that. So when the Holy Spirit begins to wake you up, ask for those who don't have, don't, don't have um, um, the can't pray in tongues, ask Holy Spirit to get, reveal that unto you and place that in you so you can be able to do so. And then from there, you will find yourself in a river of praying and praying in the spirit where you're praying in English and you're speaking darts into the demonic realm because 3 a.m. is the darkest hour of the day, they say. Meaning that's where much a lot of the witch work begins because 3 a.m., that's the time of the day where they consider the darkest and those demonic spirits and those demonic individuals are preparing their power in people, places, and things to, uh, to, to push their agenda in the next day. So he'll wake up believers to combat that so that your mother can be in, in under the blood and in peace, that your sons will be taking care of your daughters and the things will be covered because of your commitment um, um, to that. So that's what that happens. Some people, 12 a.m., 3 a.m., it just depends. It's um, Usually 3 a.m. is when warfare specific. The rest of them, I think it's warfare too, but it's all good. How do I attain self-discipline? When making time for God, I'm having trouble making time for him and falling to substitutes like TV. It all boils down to you taking the time to uh, dissect your day. So how do you attain self-discipline? Self-discipline is occurred off of, of deliberate decisions over and over deliberate decisions. In order to become a self-disciplined person, you have to deliberately make decisions in contrast to what is familiar. Meaning, if I know I have a problem that I'm spending time with God, I am going to deliberately make decisions to ensure that I get into a place of it being a norm. So you have to implement reversal habits to contradict the hindering habits of what you eventually want to have, which means, okay, I got to make sure I set systems, meaning I'm going to put my phone, I'm going to charge my phone in the bathroom. I'm going to put my Bible next to my bed. I'm going to do things that will deliberately ensure that I do certain things, even in the midst of me not feeling like doing it. I deliberately do it anyway. And then over time, you will begin to eat the fruit of those deliberate decisions. And then you will be fully persuaded in being disciplined because the fruit of discipline is always sweeter and healthier for you than the immediate fruit of a distraction. The immediate fruit of a distraction tastes good for the moment, but is genetically modified. The fruit, the eventual fruit of discipline is always sweeter and always healthier for you. So the mindset begins to change when your body and your mind and your whole vessel begins to begin to eat the fruit of discipline. When it comes to writing books, when I begin to see the residual income of those books, then when the Holy Spirit, it don't take much convincing of the Holy Spirit telling me to write a book. It don't take too much convincing, you know what I'm saying? Because I, you always reap from obedience. You may not always reap financially, but you always reap from obeying, obeying God. So when you begin to eat, see, the enemy doesn't want you to feed off the fruit of finished. When you finish something and you begin to eat the fruit from that, you're persuaded. You're not going to go back no more. When you begin to feel good, like right now, I feel my best losing all that weight. I ain't trying to get big no more. Coach Josh wasn't fat, but Coach Josh was chunky rev. See, see, I wasn't fat rev. I was chunky rev. Now I'm slim rev. But back then I was chunky rev. 
You know what I'm saying? But when I began to feel on the basketball court how light I am and how I'm able to run 45 minutes to an hour on a treadmill or on the on the thing, the little, the little elliptical joints, you know what I'm saying? And how I'm able to play four, five, six, or seven games without my lower back hurting, without me breathing hard. That's great. I don't I don't want my basketball play to be where I only play two games and I can't get no jump. You see what I'm saying? So how do you obtain self-discipline? Is to make deliberate, is to make a decision. Decision means incision, means cutting off anything that's not contributing to where you desire to go. Make a decision and then make deliberate decisions with supporting systems that ensure that you make those deliberate decisions every day and then wait and embrace the fruit of your decision making. And then that persuasion will happen where you be like, I really, my days are best when I spend time with God. That's what changed my perspective. My, my days were better when I spent time with God. My days were better. I reaped more from my days from my spiritual disciplines. If you want to be spiritually mature, you have to have spiritual disciplines. I'm sure every athlete who is elite plays with, with plays with their plays with that basketball, baseball, football, golf ball. They're, they touch it every day because in doing so, they're deepening their skill sets. So if you want to operate in spiritual power, you have to be spiritually mature because spiritually mature people know how to manage spiritual power. You see what I'm saying? Spiritual authority and spiritual power. Spiritual power, spiritual authority bursts from spiritual maturity, which bursts was from spiritual disciplines. It determines, it depends on what you do want, what your desired outcomes are. If you desire to really do great things for God and for your family, you'll be disciplined. Hope to help. I'm having trouble making time for him. You make time for what you want to make time for. And that's when you have to look at your heart and say, why am I making, why am I not making time for God? And your heart will let you know why. And then you go to God about that and you make the adjustments and do reversal habits to the hindering habits that's keeping you from having what you want to have in life. Hope that. Ooh, good question, Chris. How can I be confident in my skills, but still be humble? Insecurities are loud, my brother. Confidence are silent. I'm very confident in my ability. I was talking to God yesterday. I said, man, God, and it's crazy how my my, my verbiage back in the day is different than my verbiage now. He gets the glory for, for what I do. See, now I'd be like, God, wow, God, like, wow. That's what I do. I'd be like, God, man, that video you had me do, you using me. See, when you have your mind <clears throat> in the right place, Chris, and you're like, you know, I am dope, but I'm dope because of him. I am good. Like, so, so I'm not sitting here. I don't got that false humility. Like, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just good. I'm average. No, I'm good. Don't get it twisted. Coach is very good at what he does. You see what I'm saying? I take pride, not, not, pride in regards to that's where my identity is but no i'm very good at what i'm doing and when i understand there's a difference between being confident in yourself and being confident in christ confident in christ says i'm good i'm very good at what i do but it's because of him i'm very good at what i do but he gonna get all the glory for this because it's in him i live move and have our being he's the one that graced me with this gift he's the one that gave me this gift and yes i am very confident and confidence is silent in my heart i know i'm very good but the people won't feel the people won't feel they will sense my confidence but they won't hear my confidence <laughs> see when i walk into a room people will come to me and they'll be like there's two things that happens before I speak in front of a crowd. Um, all and I told God yesterday I'm laughing because I, I I got I got to preach Thursday night and I got to preach Friday and I got to preach at a, at a youth event at other church and I got to preach at my church's youth event right. And so I say God, all I need is all I need is four letters. All I need is an acronym. And I'm I told God I'm so glad that you revealed to me my formula. See 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 confidence is birth out of formula. Confidence is birth out of proven systems. So what I mean by that is I worked on these skills. I used to walk around, and it's just for you, Chris. I used to walk around, and I would just take random letters and make a message. 
I said, can I make a message out of this situation? And when I and, and when I talk to people, I say, okay, how can I utilize situation to, to give four or five points on a dime? See, see, I, I worked on that for years, for about six or seven years now, I worked on intentionally taking words, breaking them down and develop messages. So now when I'm in, in this later, not latter years, but when I'm in these years of my life, I'm now able that it doesn't matter if, if you tell me to preach, I got a system. Holy Ghost, what you want me to say? On Thursday, I asked the Holy Spirit two days ago, what you want me to speak on Thursday? Holy Spirit says, I want you to talk about um, um, influences. I said, okay, bet. And the word influence, I began to look at the word flu in the core of the word. All of a sudden, because of what I was skillful at, God, Holy Spirit is able to get a lot more work done under me because I'm skilled. What happens is people are skilled and don't give God credit. People are skilled, but they don't go to God. See, I'm good at what I do, but I never go to my bag without versing, first going to God. I don't get in my bag until I go to God. I got a bunch of skills in my bag. But I go to God first, God, what do you want me to do? Because I don't want to get into pride and be like, I know what I'm talking about. I know what these youth need. No, God, I know nothing. Even though I got a bunch of skills in my bag, even though I'm dope at what I do, even though I'm confident in it, I'm not confident in this without you because I'm not going to do anything without you getting the credit. So when you give God the credit, it's okay to be confident when God gets the credit from your skill sets. So humility is quiet. Confidence is quiet. People will sense it because what I don't want in my life is unendorsed anointing on my skills. What I want is every time I open my mouth, people feel the power of God. People get confused by the form of godliness and the power of God. The Bible says um, that they have a form of good form of godliness and nine of power. There's a bunch of preachers that are famous today who have a form of godliness, but coach got that power because I put the work in. I spend the time with God. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the platform. I care about God being glorified. And it doesn't matter what room I walk into. Preacher so-and-so over here, apostle so-and-so over there, bishop so-and-so in there. I I walk confidently because no man made me. So that confidence comes from Christ. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm dope. Yeah, I'm going to give you them acronyms. Yeah, and oh, it's work ethic, bro. And it's beautiful when it's work ethic in worship. Woo! Work ethic that's birthed out of worship is potent. You always win when your work ethic is birthed out of worship and acknowledging God. So that's how you be confident, bro. You be humble because you know who gets the credit. When people come to meet Joshua, what's up? God gets all the glory for that. And I know that's cliche that came from the 90s, early 2000s, where people tell you over and over again, say, God gets the glory. Man, nah, God really gets the glory because I, I, I put the work in my worship. I put the work in my work ethic. And so my wife my wife laughed at me um, the other night, uh, well, uh, or laughs at me when this happens because she, before we got married, she didn't know how I did these sermons. She didn't know how I did these videos. She'd just be like, Wow, you just put out videos. How do you do four or five videos a week? Hour and an hour and a half long. And then when she, when we got married, and I'm sitting in the bed with the light on, and she's like, wow. She really hears me. Holy Spirit, what you want? What you need? What they need? A word of drop. And she'll be she'll be talking, she'll be right there look, reading her book on her phone. And then what what started off as a word in the middle of the page with lines, she sees two or three pages full in a matter of 15, 20 minutes. And I say, okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> and I go and make five, 10 minutes, make a worksheet. And then she'll be down there after breakfast. And then she'll see the Holy, she'll see my eyes. Holy Spirit gave you something. Yep. And so what happens is she'll be like, she'll she literally be like, okay, I walk away from her. I begin to write down the message. In 15, 20 minutes, she got a notification. I'm on YouTube. Hour and a half later, it's done. That's the skill set that supports the kingdom's agenda. I have to know that my skill set supports the Savior. Period. I'm a servant to the Savior. Period. That's what keeps you humble. Knowing what your skill sets are for, and you will always find yourself humble. Hope to help, man. When surrendering to God, how do I surrender a guy I see every Sunday in church I really like to God? Especially when it's not God's will to be with him. Can I still be his friend or just cut it, just cut it off? I don't want to be connected to anyone or anything that God doesn't want me connected to because their influences may, may, may build a conflict of interest. 
So if you already say that God is telling you that this is not the will for him, cut it off because and not cutting off shows that you have two masters or you have two opinions. Let God be true in every man and in every opinion in your heart be a liar. So it's best to cut it off because if you surrender that guy to God and you really like him, that just shows you got to ask yourself the question, why do I like this gentleman? Why do I like him so deeply in the face of God telling me that he's not the one or it's not God's will for me to be with him? You don't want to be friends with that person. You know, why fellowship with a person that you don't have a future with? It's cool to be cordial with them, but why have a friendship with a person that's not going to be in your future? We're talking about friendship. We're talking about intimate relationships. We're talking about friends for life, for future purposes. That person, I don't fellowship. Listen, I don't become friends and fellowship friendly with the person that's not a part of my future. I'm cordial. I'm friendly. Let me make a plain. I'm friendly with everyone, but I'm not friends with everyone. It's a big difference between being a friend and being friendly. I'm friendly to everyone, but I'm not a friend to everyone. Friendly, you may get some friendship tendencies. You may get some friendship tendencies. Oh, I got, let me pick that up for you. Let me help you with that. I got you. But it don't mean you're my friend. I'm friendly, but let's take the lie out. <laughs> I'm not your friend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's, take the, let's take the, don't let this friend lie to you. Don't let this friendliness lie. Ooh, that's powerful. See, that's from a skill set, Chris. That's from a skill set. I, I, in the middle of my mouth, I can take a word. Listen, I'm friendly, but don't let this friendliness lie to you. Let me take, let me take the L-Y. Let me take the lie out of this. And make sure that you know that you're not my friend. So that's what you got to do. Be friendly to him. When you see him, cool. Wave. Don't give no hug. Don't even get no church hug because your heart going to be connected. You know what I'm saying? Wave. What's up? Cool. God's, God's in love with you, my brother. Cool. Keep it moving. Cut it off. Cut off the friendship component of it. Be friendly, but take take the L-Y out of it. Uh, uh, don't, don't, don't add, don't, don't take the, nah, I forget it. <laughs> Mess my own self up. You know what I'm trying to say. Do you think that by avoiding relationships romance is making an idol out of them? Do you think by avoiding relationships is making an idol of them? No, uh, it could, but um, you have to ask yourself why. You know what I'm saying, Alyssa, Alicia? Um, why are you avoiding them? Avoiding <clears throat> is one thing to avoid the wrong ones. But if you begin to find yourself avoiding the right ones, you have to ask yourself what is in your heart that's that's hindering you. Now, we're talking about friendship, but this romantic relationships. I don't think it means you make an idol of it. It could mean that you're making the, an idol out of the ideology of why you're avoiding them. See, idolatry has got layers to it. You may not, you may be avoiding relationship, but you may be in the avoidance of the relationship, idolizing the idea of why you're avoiding them. That's where feminism comes in. That's where ego and misogynism comes in. That's where all these ism and all these things come in because you may not, you are avoiding relationships, and in the context, it may look honorable. It may look cool, but you got to make sure you're not idolizing the idea of why you're avoiding them, whether it's what your pops did, what happened in your in other relationships romantically, and, and you have to give it over to God so that you can be healed to be able to be uh, uh, connect to the right one. You see what I'm saying? So make sure that you're not idolizing the idea of why you are avoiding a romantic relationship, and in doing so, you will see what your heart really is holding in it and you will be able to make the right decisions from it. All right, got about uh, eight more minutes and I'm out. <clears throat> hey, Josh, I love your content. Can you provide more clarity on Noah's son, Ham, Shem, and Japheth populating the earth and creating the races? Uh, good question, bro. I'm not really versed in that. That's something I'm really gonna, I'm, I'm inspired though to study it. I'm, I'm kind of familiar with it, but in the context of your question, I don't want to just give you some off the top of the dome BS. I want to make sure I serve you well, but you have intrigued me to study that. Um, but I'm not well versed in that to give to give a, an answer. Um, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like, I don't know everything. That's that's the dope thing about who I am and what God is. Man. I don't I don't have to know everything. But, bro, I'm intrigued. So I'm definitely going to do some. You got me. You got my brain rolling because <clears throat> I'm definitely going to look into that. Um I, didn't, I haven't done an in-depth study of that, and I'm intrigued by so. So give me some time. I don't know when I'm going to do it. I don't even know if when I'm going to have time to really do it. Um, but the good thing about what you have in your heart right now is the Holy Spirit, and he'll lead and guide you into all truth there. Um, but at this point, I don't have enough experience or study um, to give a, a biblically sound, God-centered answer on that point. I'm sorry, bro. I wish I could. How do you pray to get results? <clears throat> Don't pray to get results. 
pray to be a result. Pray, just pray, God, how can I be a result to somebody? How can I pray to be a resource? Asking God for results is asking God for a sign. He is the sign. You see what I'm saying? So don't pray for results. Just pray and God, God, I know you just praise God in handling what you need. God, I know you're handling that. I ain't going to waste my time in prayer asking about something I know you already taken care of. God, in the meantime, while I know you taking that, taking care of that, <clears throat> God, help me to be a result for somebody. Help me to be an answer to somebody. How can I become more resourceful to you? Don't waste your prayer time praying for results. Pray. No, no, no. Pray one time. God, hey, I need your help in this. I really need this. I really need confirmation. In this petition it to God one time, praise Him forever on that until that thing comes into place. But in but in regards to prayer time, <clears throat> pray on how you can serve God, help God, and pray for others. Utilize ninety eight percent of your prayer time in doing those things, then asking God over and over for results. Hope they help, Nick. Last question. I'm out. Oh man, it came all the way down to the bottom. Oh man, give me one second. Give me one second. Sorry, y'all. Give me one second. I scroll up. Give me one second. I'm gonna scroll up. You're so welcome. No problem. Ask your question. No problem. All right, here we go. Uh, man, that's uh, how y'all really be putting questions. Man. Y'all know I wish I can give y'all two hours, but, you know, coach is a family man. And I have coaching sessions today. I have one at 2 o'clock. got one at 3 o'clock. I'm going to have a lot of coaches. But if you want one-on-one coach sessions, you want to get on the phone with me, if you want to talk to me, you got questions that I may not was able to answer, contact me now and write the website down now. Contact me now at IamUnplugged.com. IamUnplugged.com. Let me put the right link there. I think it's custom coaching. Let me give y'all the right. Here we go. Here's the right link. If y'all really want to talk to me, and I have a lot of people, I maybe have two people in here today that I have coached. Um, I'm going all the way down to uh, August the 31st, and I'll be coaching every other Saturday after that. If you want to get on my books, contact me now. We have a few more spaces left, but they get filled up because the people I've been coaching, they start rescheduling. And so those those times I give to them, and those kind of those times kind of get refilled. I mean, uh, filled up again. But if you want to, hey, if you got questions about singleness, about entrepreneurship, about business, about product development, about uh, how to maximize your singleness, uh, dating, relationship, coaching, go to my website there. I would love to coach you. Um, just give me your budget. Tell me what you can do. The best of what you can do. The best. And uh, I have a person. I can't tell you their numbers, but with the best that you can do. It can be a lot. It could be your best. But whatever your best is, I would give you a specific time frame and, and a custom coaching session according to your budget. But you're gonna still going to get that coach. Same coach, the same one that gave a thousand, the same one that gave 50, going to get the same coach, but in a different time span um, because of um, time. And they'll get a little bit more time, a little bit more resources on the more they have, because then that time, that money allocates allows me to be, it's whatever. Uh, that's what I mean by that. So if you want a one-on-one coaching, hit me up on that link, imunplugged.com forward slash custom dash coaching, and I would love to serve you. Give me a budget. Tell me what you can do. I'll make it happen. And I wasted two or three minutes talking about that. Um, I feel in my spirit. I need to be done. I need to be done. Um, so I love you guys. Let me see. Someone, see, someone just called me. So got to go, guys. And for those who asked about that dating, get the book Dating Prep. It has a bunch of worksheets in there, too. A lot of great resources in there that will help you. Dating Prep, the book created by yours truly, by Josh Wesley. Um, And I have a card game called Dating Prep as well. You go to ezzygames.com. Let's type that in, too. Ezzygames.com. And you'll be able, as he games, you know, coach, coach, we, we, I'm a resource developer. You see what I'm saying? So if you want one-on-one coaching, if you want books, um, that's going to be available at Amazon. I'm going to give you my direct link on Amazon so that you'll be able to get those books there. I've written six books, one of uh, five books, 
uh, and one book, a children's book that I think would be a blessing to you all and your sons and daughters. So all those resources are there on my website, IamUnplugged.com. Get the card game. The card games are, are I'm telling you, are helpful. I have a, a card game to help you memorize scripture. And it's a fun way to play in groups on how to get groups memorizing scripts called Memory Muscle. Um, you can also get that game at EzzyGames.com. All the books on Amazon. And you can uh, book me one that one-on-one coaching sessions with me. Or if you got a husband or wife that want to be in a relationship coaching, I'd love to coach you both. All the resources are there. I'm here to help you. Um, so send me your budget. Send me what you can do. We'll make it happen. I love you all. Make sure you hit the uh, um, subscription button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell so that when you see live Q&A, you will get on there and get your questions in. A lot of you guys and gals whose questions I do not get to inspires me to do other video content. So please leave your question there because you may see a video come out later answering that question. So I love that y'all leave questions at the bottom because it gives me and the Holy Spirit to work through uh, content that will be able to answer those questions in an hour and a half format or an hour format. Because, you know, I can't go 15, 20 minutes. I got to give y'all systems. I'm a teacher at heart. I um, love you guys. Y'all be blessed. Uh, websites at, in, the, in the chat box. If you're watching this and it's not alive, all those links in the description box below. Uh, make sure you check out the Good Guys podcast. Uh, other content, you can go to your Am not Amazon, your Apple and your Apple Store and your Google Play Store. Go to SoundCloud. All those, all my videos are in audio form. So if you cannot watch it on your workplace, but you want to listen to it while you're working out, all those are all these messages. As soon as this message is downloaded, it's up in about 10 minutes and you'll be able to re-listen and you'll be able to uh, um, listen to all my other content. I think it's over four, five hundred audio, um, about three to four hundred um, sermons available on those platforms. Love you guys. Got to go. Peace.